Now at 13 minutes to nine, Nui is the latest Pacific island to open to New Zealand. It is one of the few countries that has not experienced community COVID transmission with just a handful of cases recorded at the border. Just 10, in fact, all detected and safely dealt with. So after two years of careful isolation, Niue was cautiously opening its doors once more to quarantine-free travel. RNZ Pacific's Lydia Lewis was at Auckland Airport to capture the mood. Well, there's been a real buzz about Auckland Airport, like there is always in the international area. But this morning, a real special moment for Niue. They've been slowly opening up, but with restrictions in place, people isolating when they arrive. But today is the first time that these passengers on this flight, first of all, they're tourists for the first time, and also, so they're not going to have to isolate on arrival. All 118 passengers waiting to board the Air New Zealand flight were fully vaccinated, had returned a negative PCR test within 48 hours of leaving New Zealand, and would be tested on days one and three after landing. I'm told by uh, a source that the flight was not full, but that was expected because tourism is slowly ramping up after the borders being closed for, you know, since the start of the pandemic. Three hours after leaving Auckland, the flight touched down at Hanan Nui International Airport. It was the 27th of June, 2022. The trouble began not long after. I'm Justin Gregory, and today on The Detail, New Way and COVID-19. Opening up to the world brings tourists and their money, but it also brings the virus. How is New Way prepared? What's the trade-off between caring for the people and keeping the economy afloat? And if COVID gets out into the community, can New Way cope? New Way had no luck at all that day. Five people on the flight tested positive on day one, with one passenger being hospitalised. Testing of close contacts accelerated as authorities tried to find out if there was community transmission. Niue's premier, Dalton Tangelangi, was one of several people in isolation. Niue had done everything right. Everyone on the flight had done all they were supposed to. The system worked well. But COVID-19 still got in. It was inevitable. Oh, absolutely. This is Sir Colin Tukuyatonga. He's a doctor, a dean in Pacific Health at Auckland University School of Medicine, and a public health advisor. Because uh, you'll recall that when they opened uh, quarantine-free travel, New Zealand was running along at uh, 8, 9, 10,000 new cases a day. So it's not hard to imagine that uh, even with pre-departure screening tests that people would introduce uh, COVID-19 into the island, which is exactly uh, what happened. So Colin is also Nguyen and has his ear to the ground there. Yeah, so I am in touch uh, providing advice to the people at the health department plus the central government. But all in addition to that, I get other information from my sister and her husband who live there plus other people. Many in the community regard the opening of the border with lots of cases in New Zealand in a quarantine-free way was highly risky and many in the community were unhappy about it, I understand. Is that unhappiness justified? As of 20th of July 2022, Niue's COVID-19 website was showing six active cases at the border, none in the community, 23 recovered cases and 29 total cases since March 2022. Niue's population is just over 1,700, which all sounds pretty manageable, but you need to keep in mind the size of their health system. Oh, it's uh, very small. I mean, you'll understand this. Uh, we're told there's 1,600 
resident uh, people. They hover around three uh, to four doctors normally. I understand two have been away, and so they've been operating with two, and they've had to get in a locum. So they're hovering around two to three doctors at any one time. And in non-COVID times, of course, that's more than adequate. I understand there's uh, 10 or 12 uh, nurses the central hospital and the health department is sort of merged together doing both treatment services and preventive services at the same time because of the nature of the health service. It's very small. Uh, the uh, consequence, of course, would be that if there were many cases of uh, COVID-19, they would be pretty quickly get overwhelmed. What would that look like, do you think? What's, what does a worst-case scenario look like? Oh, five to ten really sick uh, people, 20 to 30 sick, moderately sick in the community and a lot more mild cases needing information. I think, I mean, I'm just uh, estimating that that's probably the level at which they'll have to get additional help from New Zealand primarily. New Zealand is already helping. The mission lead for the New Zealand Medical Assistance Team in Niue, Martin Buett, says the team of five has hit the ground cautiously running because Niue doesn't currently have community transmission of COVID-19. Foreign Minister Nanaya Mahuta sent the team in response to a request for support from the Niuean government. A public health physician from the Polynesian Health Corridors Programme and a laboratory technician from Pacific Pathology Training Centre flew in too. Protective gear and rat tests were also sent. The New Zealand team was flown in on a New Zealand Defence Force C-130 Hercules last week. There is a medical planner, a medic, a logistics planner and a cultural advisor in the team. I should say that they've had... Several um, teams go up. The Pacifica Medical Association sent over a team of four nurses plus a doctor uh, earlier this year. Um, Ministry of Health had sent in people as well earlier on to prepare for this eventuality. The uh, most recent uh, team deployed from MNZ, Matt, again, is to prepare and put in place and update uh, protocols for how to manage people in the event there were cases uh, in the community. Niue used their two years of lockdown well. They planned for this and they were prepared. So Colin says nations who live in the path of cyclones know how to get ready for tough times. And people respond, people react, people prepare, and I see COVID uh, eventually going that way. Um, People are aware, for example, that big church gatherings inside, indoors, uh, without much ventilation is not a good idea. So they adjust it. They have smaller uh, group meetings. Uh, the windows in the church are wide open and, you know, people adjust. So I suspect that that's probably correct, that the longer people live with COVID, the more prepared they, they will be. We're talking about a very highly vaccinated nation as well. 99.4% of all eligible New Orleans have been vaccinated. 93% are boosted. There's a willingness to hang together and support others. And so Colin says there are other reasons for the high rate of vaccination too. 
well, firstly, it's a very small place and the health department people know pretty much everyone on the island. And they had uh, messages uh, encouraging people to get vaccinated. It's a bit difficult to avoid the health department officials and, and they were also mobile. So they went out to the villages and pretty much caught, caught up with just about everyone. Niue has done pretty much everything right so far and the system is working well. The nation took a deliberately conservative approach to reopening and they waited as long as they could. Locals were able to fall back on their gardens and the sea for food. People went to their jobs if they still had them. Commerce continued, but as time went on, the time for reopening came closer and it had to happen. It had to happen and with the rest of the islands opening up their borders, Niue would have been the odd one out, so they had to do it. I guess uh, the problem was that there were lots of cases in Auckland because the flights originate from here. Mm. And certainly in the community, those who derive their incomes from private sector activities were really keen for it to open the rest of the community less uh, so. Um, So it was sort of inevitable they had to open it up. The question was uh, when and, uh, you know, how do you do it safely? And they, and obviously they made the decision to, to open up late June. My name is Shempa Lelisi and welcome to the Rock of Polynesia, Niue Island. If you've never been to Niue, then you really should. I have, and I'm very boring on the subject, because Niue is a cracking place. Affectionately known as the Rock, or sometimes Savage Islands, thanks to Captain Cook, the rude guy, water. You'll get lots of things in Niue, but most of what you'll get is space. Lots of it. There's only about a thousand people here, and it's a big island. This island takes time out to a whole new level, and that means you can explore all of Niue's top spots and have them all to yourself. Also, you don't need to change your money if holidaying from New Zealand. Beautiful weather, amazingly clear water, great food, and very few other tourists. As actor Shampala Lisi says, on the rock, there's room to relax. You can have a whole alcove bay or, or a little alcove where the sea track is, all to yourself. Where else can you get that in the world? Catherine Etuata Papani is the CEO of the New Way Chamber of Commerce and not shy when it comes to promoting her home. We've got the cleanest waters, the ocean, um, about 70 metres or so, even more visible down to the amazing coral. Are the whales around at the moment? Oh, I think they've um, they've realised that we've got uh, tourists back on island, and they've come they've come on as well. So just to entertain the tourists, they're, they're having a, a great time here at the moment. Were there no whales around Niue well, when the tourists went there? We were saying that we really didn't see a lot of whales in the past two years. <laughs> um, it's just so bizarre because it's like there's so many of them. Someone got the memo. Catherine is definitely happy to see not just the whales back, but the quarantine-free flights too, because no tourists meant no money. No money. Well, the past two years has been really little money for our, our businesses. Our businesses have um, are resilient enough to last the two years. Our tourism was increased, like, on a high, a boom at the time. It was really good. Um, March 2020, virtually overnight, standstill, uh, businesses took the shock um, and there was always that thought, oh, this can't last forever, surely. Hello. Let me show you a miracle. This is a huge piece of concrete. In fact, 
It's a runway. At pre-pandemic peak, two flights a week left from New Zealand for Niue. Roughly 3,000 visitors annually bounce down on that airport runway, putting 15 million New Zealand dollars into the nation's economy. Now, our country has no traffic lights, no parking meters, and less than 1,500 people. But we have an international airport. This miracle is the key for you to unlock the treasures hidden in this wonderland we call home. And it connects Niue to you and you to Niue. But after March 2020, only 600 people a year were able to make that connection. More people left Niue than arrived. Some of our businesses really did suffer a lot financially. Um, We had government support by way of a wage subsidy. We had chamber support through one of the uh, one-off grant assistance to help them just cushion some of that uh, those financial obligations that they have, and especially so with our tourism operators. So it's been really tough on the businesses, but it's been good to see um, with QFT the activities going on and, and businesses are, are actually feeling a little bit more relaxed with a bit more income. It took time to get ready to reopen again. Car rental companies who had sold off their fleet needed to restock. Accommodation and tour operators needed to rehire and train staff. And every time New Zealand suffered a COVID setback, the whole thing would be delayed again. And while businesses on the island were keen to reconnect with the world, they had some questions about how it would work. What happens if this, you know, if someone in uh, accommodation contracts COVID, what happens to that person Are they taken out? What if the business doesn't want them there? Because we're talking about small operators. What happens to them? Are they assured that they can be taken to a facility uh, where they would be looked after? Or um, And then if the business has to lock down because employees and owners have to go into isolation, who provides support for them? Because the only income they have is from their business. So we've been pushing um, for that framework to to be set up. And has it been set up? No, not, 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 as I have known. It's been nearly a month since QFT, or quarantine-free travel, resumed to Niue. Every Tuesday morning, another flight leaves Auckland and, due to dateline quirks, lands in Niue on a Monday. This is the new normal now. So has a sea change occurred on the rock? Are people feeling and behaving differently? Catherine says there's still some fear around. I think there was a general fear with the, like, oh, why did we have it so early? Why did we have so many on the first flight? Because I think the first flight came with a hundred, over a hundred passengers, and a lot of the, a lot of that was family too for a funeral that we had here on Niue. And when you saw photos um, at the airport, there was that, of course, families, the Nguyen families here, the families coming for the funeral. The greetings were the same, the hugging. But there was a little bit of fear in that because people were saying, well, why, why are you doing that? You should, you know, just keep your distance until day three testing. It's very hard to do, though, isn't it? it Two is. years of being away. It is. It, it definitely is. Locals are being a bit cautious around tourists, too, keeping a polite distance. Because some visitors arriving there from New Zealand's long COVID winter it felt just a bit too safe and a bit too free. So there has been some small incidences where tourists have not agreed to wear masks or anything, but it should be set and it's a golden rule that 
just to please respect when you do come on to new where that there will be businesses and we are practicing that initial stages of welcoming people back on island to wear the mask and to show businesses that you're respecting them and, and taking those necessary precautions sanitize mask you know keep a little bit of social distance without losing that experience that you you have when you are on new way there have been other changes too no one hugs anymore <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that's kind of like within the local. I think when I when I see uh, people around and even myself and our family, that is just us and our close immediate family that we're aware of. Now, with our extended family, if we go out to the other villages, we all just tend to uh, okay, we'll just sort of air high five or <laughs> air comes the elbow or just wave, you know, and smile. We've got you know quite an older population that that is quite uh, protective of uh, people on Niue that don't, they don't want COVID to come in. So in the businesses themselves, many businesses are prepared if a situation gets worse and COVID is in the community, some businesses are prepared to close the doors and just say, look, we'll just write it out. Um, and some businesses will change the way they operate. But definitely, you know, it's it's what you guys have gone through in New Zealand, we've yet to go through and with QFT coming in and the first flight bringing in five cases, it was kind of a, everybody grabbed their box, their masks, everyone now driving around and walking around into shops with the mask. Um, it is different because two years ago, we didn't necessarily wear masks. We could see everyone's faces. Um, it's, it's, it's changed. And with each weekly flight, inevitably comes more cases of COVID. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's the most likely scenario. So Colin Tukuyatonga says officials are doing what can be done. I commend them. They test uh, day one, uh, day three and day five. Uh, and they've got uh, isolation facilities in place uh, and so on. But, uh, yes, the risk uh, will continue as long as the pandemic is rolling on in New Zealand and elsewhere in the world. Uh, I think they've done the best job uh, possible, but it's just the way, the nature of the beast, if you like. Um, high vaccination rates, people well-informed, isolation facility built and ready, protocols in place. But it's actually difficult to avoid it. it it's an, it, There is an inevitability that uh, COVID would uh, get in uh, to newer and, and anywhere else for that matter, which is exactly what has happened around the small islands of the Pacific. And no one, says Catherine Etuata-Papani, is arguing for the flights to stop, for the number of tourists to be further restricted, or for quarantine to be reinstated. We've opened it. We've opened it and the first flight opened, no restrictions, no number restrictions. I think it would be very hard for us to go back and limit that unless Mm. there is community transmission and then the government will definitely look at it. Because we're talking about 1,700 people that live on this island, so a very small population. So in order for them to sort of like stop that QFT now when we've got no case in the community, um, that that wouldn't, I don't think that would work well, um, not with businesses, not with tourism, but it would be something to look at if there were cases in the community. That's when I think we would re-look or have to look at that flight coming in QFT. So Colin isn't calling for changes either. Keep doing what you're doing, but be ready for the situation to change, is his message. Well, I think to continue the what they're doing, to 
ensure that the measures they have in place at the border is as tight as can be, regular testing, uh, information reminders, because once it gets out in the community, of course, it's difficult to contain. Is there more we could do here in New Zealand? don't think so. The one thing I did uh, encourage them to do was um, to be clear. So the team that went up recently, so-called surge support, is pretty much to do that. In the event there was an outbreak in UA, what would they do? At what point would they seek to ship people out uh, if they get very sick, for example? How would you do that uh, safely? what would be optimum numbers of uh, nurses and doctors in the primary care general practice, uh, for example, if there was a a lot of cases in the community, because that's likely to be where most of the cases will be because most will be mild or moderate. Uh, Those kinds of things, I imagine, is what they have been working on with the visiting teams. The COVID genie is out of the bottle. There's no going back to pre-pandemic life in Niue. Adapt and adjust. I think we just need to be flexible in in our approach to this COVID environment and the fact that we want our economy to be up and running. Um, The QFT flights have been good in a way of our businesses getting um, a little bit more income and and feeling that normality um, set in and we want to feel that and to continue that. I think the most difficult thing is is a stop-start situation where we get this feeling of the economy ticking over again and, and, and growing again and then something happens in the community, a transmission in the community and it, it stops. So definitely need to make sure that we keep our health practices in place, um, everybody to mask, everyone take that um, national approach on it. Catherine took advantage of the bubble reopening by popping over to Wellington recently to see family. She was a bit shocked by what she saw there. It took me a while to get used to the New Zealand and in, in Wellington. Um, it didn't seem to be, people were, people were just going about their normal life. Um, there were masks in some shops, no masks in others. Didn't see peop- that many people walking around with masks. Um, I went to the Garden Hotel um, on a f- Friday for um, catch up with friends and family. It was just like a normal outing. People were dancing together, clothes, and you know, it, it was a different atmosphere. I was I was walking around with my sanitizer, spraying things. Oh, well, my my son actually said, "Mum, I think you're going to you're just going to actually smell like a sanitizer soon." I said, oh, well, other than that, when are you coming back to Niue? That's it for today. I'm Justin Gregory. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile devices every day from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansel and produced by Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Sir Colin Tukuitonga and Catherine Etuata Papani. Kakite anō. <laughs>